Grace, mercy, and peace to you, beloved, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. First, Happy Father's Day. Same to you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Today is Father's Day, and as citizens of our nation, we recognize how critical and important fathers are. And sadly, we do look around and see how sad our society is, our world is, when they're missing or don't fulfill their God-given vocations. But even more so as citizens of heaven. As citizens of heaven, we know how critical, how important these men are. Fathers for our world, for our nation, for our communities. Yes, also for our homes. But even more, we know how important it is for the Christian faith, for the Christian faith, for the Christian home, for the Christian church. True, as I use those words critical and important, we know who is most critical, who is most important, and that's God, our Father. Again, for our world, for our nations, for our communities, for our homes, and of course also for the faith, for the church, for the Christian home, for every area and aspect of life. God is most critical and most important. I invite you to take out your bulletin for this morning and follow along with the reading from 2 Corinthians, especially those first four words. The title for today's sermon, Working Together with Him. Working Together with Him. Him, of course, referring to God. So that sentence, Working Together with God. Just pause to think how amazing that statement is. Working Together with Him, with God. God is Almighty. Almighty, He could do all things on His home, but he yet He desires and wills to use us, to use people. For example, in His work of creating and preserving. Almighty God desires and wills to use men, to father children, and to bring life to the next generation. And in preservation, God desires and wills to use men, again, fathers, to preserve those children and family to provide what they need. Also in the area of redemption, in the area of redemption, Almighty God desires and wills to use men, people, in this work of redemption. Through people, through Christians, Pastors, Sunday school teachers, Christian day school teachers, also in the home, mother, and especially father as we think of today, God brings his gift of redemption to more and more people, especially those outside the church, but as we think about today, inside the church, to the children, to the next generation, bringing them that gift of eternal life, that Jesus is won by his dying and rising again. And again, think about it. What an amazing honor. What an amazing privilege. Life. Life. Only God can give life. But God uses 
men and women, to bring life to the next generation. Physical life, to be sure. Think about a little baby in arms of mom or dad, grandparents and others. Think of little babies in the womb. Think of little children running around and growing up and children that are older as they mature in so many different ways and, of course, people in their middle age and then people that have many more years under their belts. Life, life is a precious gift and blessing of God. But even more so, that life that's eternal that life that goes on and on forever and ever. And Almighty God invites and urges us, in the words of our text, to work together with Him. And then He works through our words and through our work. Now, unfortunately, my parents were divorced when I was quite young, about 11 years old. But before that, I remember a few times working together with my dad, working side by side with my dad. I can't really remember what task it was. I remember a few times having that, and I was so happy. I was so honored. I enjoyed that. Kids like working next to their parents. Mom, yes, but especially dads as we think about not necessarily being sent off to fulfill some tasks, but working together with mom and dad. Now, as a kid, no doubt thinking back, I probably didn't do a very good job at whatever task I was doing right next to my dad. And no doubt, my dad probably had to come back and redo whatever I did. But again, what a memory, working together with God. What an important memory that can make for kids. And Paul also writes about that in our text, working together with him, working together with God. But he mentioned that also in his first letter to the Corinthians. And there he wrote about an agricultural image. He wrote these words, I planted, I planted. And then he referred to another minister by the name of Apollos. He said, but Apollos watered. But then he spoke about what was most critical and what was most important. But God gave the growth. God gave the growth. And Paul went on and spoke about how critically important God the Father is. He wrote, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So we need to always, always remember that the most critical work, the most important work is the work of God the Father. People are converted. People are given the gift of faith. People are strengthened in the faith. In my case, not because of my eloquence or my knowledge or my ability as a pastor or a speaker or you, dear Christian, or Christian Father, because of your knowledge or your ability. In relation to God the Father, we are always children. We are always the children of God. And God's work is the most important, but God desires to use us, to use our words and work, and to work through those words and work to bring a blessing, a blessing to others. We need to hear and believe this, to take this to heart, the great honor and privilege that God gives to us. It's an honor 
Because this is something that Almighty God desires. Almighty God wills. And it's a privilege because we are working for something that's eternal. Something that's eternal. We're doing something that can impact people around us for all eternity. The time is coming, dear friends, when time itself will be no more. And eternity is going to stretch out before us and we're going to see how critically important this work is that we now do in time. And we are supposed to see this work that we do now from the vantage point of eternity. Every Christian, but especially as we think about today Christian fathers, they have that honor and privilege in the words of our text of working together with Him working together with God. And so we know that a Christian father is the head of the home, much as Christ is head of the church. And that means as a Christian father, that man is not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. He is a servant. For Christ himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You may not be called upon men to give your life for your family, but you are called to give in service. Serving by providing what your family needs for life in this world, but even more providing what they need for eternal life. That's clearly taught throughout Scripture. That's clearly taught in Luther's small catechism. Every section of Luther's small catechism begins with this phrase, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. That's what God has given to men, to fathers. That honor and privilege of teaching God's word of grace, speaking God's word of grace in the home. So you kids and wives... Open your hearts wide as your husband, as your father opens up his heart wide to fulfill this important task. Honor your father. Honor your husband as the spiritual head of the home. And don't grumble about this. Don't complain about this as he goes about and fulfills his God-given vocation. And dads, don't stop if you meet resistance. That, of course, is not what God wants. God wants you to persevere. That stopping is exactly what Satan wants. Satan doesn't mind men thinking that all they could do is father children. Satan doesn't mind if fathers think that all they could do is teach their children worldly things, temporal things, things for life in this world, and especially sinful things things. But not the faith. Not the faith. Satan hates that. Satan hates men, Christians, speaking the faith. Dedicated Christian men, husbands, fathers, dedicated Christian women, wives, mothers, leading to dedicated Christian children, Christian homes, families, communities, nations. Men, God invites you to do something important for our world indeed, for our communities, for our churches, but even more for the home, for the family, working together with Him, working together with God. 
bringing God's word of grace to those around you, those you love, your children. Now I know, as I go about saying this, I'm going to stop here, as I go about saying this, you dads, probably moms and children too, all of us, as I say this, we can't help but think about all those past wrongs, all those past mistakes, all those past sins, all those past mistakes and missed opportunities. That's why it's good that we not only talk about this here in God's house, but we talk about this as the cross is front and center. Front and center. That's why we look to the cross. We see our sins, we look to the cross. We see our sins, we look to Jesus. Because through Jesus, through His cross, God forgives us. Through Jesus and through His cross, God forgives anyone and everyone who sees their wrongs are sorry for their wrongs, and look to Him. And through Jesus and through the cross, you know that God not only forgives you, He also teaches you that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Through Jesus and the cross, you know that your labor has eternal purpose. Eternal purpose. One day seeing your kids your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and many, many others in the glory of heaven, forever in heaven. And dads, all of us, because of Jesus and because of his cross, we know that God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Now all of that's good. The gospel is good, so very, very good. Our forgiveness our eternal life, our strengthening in the faith. But in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul puts before us two things that are not so good. Two things that could negatively impact those words of grace that we speak. Look at your bulletin. The first is found in verse 1. Verse 1. Paul wrote there about receiving God's grace in vain. In vain. And then in verse 3, he writes about obstacles. How those working together with God can put obstacles in the way of God's words of grace. We're going to consider both of these in order. So again, going back to verse 1, when Paul wrote about, we appeal to you not to receive God's grace in vain, Paul is speaking about this sad possibility. This sad possibility. I can, you can, anyone can receive God's words of grace in vain. Just like is happening right here in church. In vain. In vain means in an empty way, without a good purpose, without a a good purpose in in a useless way. God means His grace in Jesus to create the gift of faith, to strengthen that faith. To bring those who hear it with faith the gift of forgiveness. The gift of peace and hope and joy. The gift of eternal life along with that gift of hearing His words, working together with Him and wanting to do so. Of speaking God's word of grace to others. But sadly, as St. Paul writes here, it is possible to receive God's words of grace in vain. So a Christian, a pastor, a Christian father can open up 
his, her mouth to speak God's word of grace and speak it rightly, speak it correctly, yet the hearer can still receive those words in vain. Jesus spoke and illustrated that point in the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. In that parable, Jesus compared the word of God's grace to a seed. Inside every seed is what is necessary to produce a plant and produce a harvest. Yet not all seeds that are sown sprout. And of those seeds that do sprout, not every seed grows to maturity and produces a harvest. As Jesus speaks in the parable, that's not the sower's fault. That's not the seed's fault. If their fault is to be pointed out, it's the fault of the ground. It has received that seed in vain. And he speaks this parable to remind us that this could happen when we speak God's word of grace. In fact, that even happened with Jesus himself. He who is God in the flesh, who powerfully and perfectly spoke God's word of grace. Many heard that word in vain. They closed their ears, they closed their minds, they closed their hearts. And if they didn't hear God's word of grace after that, they are now suffering for that eternally. And that's sad and tragic because God wants to save all. But again, that's as with the sowing of the seed, that's not because the speaker did something wrong. Spoke God's word of grace incorrectly. This is disappointing and discouraging, but you, dear Christian and Christian fathers, keep on speaking. Keep on trusting in Jesus and as the words tell us, working together with Him, working together with God. Now look at verse 3. Paul wrote about something else that could negatively impact God's word of grace. He calls them obstacles. Verse 3, Paul writes, We put no obstacle in anyone's way. Here Paul is telling us that we Christians and Christian fathers can put obstacles in the way of those to whom we speak God's word of grace. Here the Apostle Paul is teaching us that our actions need to be consistent with the words that we speak. Take me, for example, as a pastor. I preach and teach about how important the Word of God is to a believer's life. I also preach about the truth of wor- the importance of worship, of holy communion, prayer, and so many other things. So these things should be a part of my life. These things should be evident in my life. I should be active in reading God's Word. I should be active in worship, receiving the Lord's Supper, and so on and so forth. If I'm not, I'm putting an obstacle in the way of those to whom I speak and teach God's word of grace. So, dear Christian, don't underestimate the impact of your actions on others. Don't forget that your actions are also preaching something too. Actions speak louder than words. So dads, think about your actions as you teach your family, as you teach your children. Think about what your actions are saying to them as they see you reading the Bible yourself for your own personal growth and knowledge. Think about what your actions are telling your kids 
when you regularly attend worship, when you participate in the worship service, even when lots of other things are crying out for your attention. Think of what your actions are telling those around you when you join with your brothers and sisters in reading God's Word in Bible class. Of course, I could mention other things as well. But on the other hand, think of the obstacles that we Christians can unknowingly be putting in the way of others, especially those that are nearest and dearest to us. When we say one thing is important or certain things are important, but we show by our actions that they're not really that important. When we say one thing, but we do something else. So what are we teaching when we say that the Bible is important, but rarely or never do we read it ourselves? What are we saying when we send our kids off to Sunday school, but we rarely attend ourselves? What are others learning from us when we say that church, going to church is important, but when we're here, we don't take part in the worship service, or we attend irregularly, or we allow so often other things to become more important than going to church? What are we teaching? We're teaching others especially our kids, to do the very same thing. To say one thing and do something else. And what's really tragic is that we might see on Judgment Day the results of the obstacles that we put in the way of the words of grace that we spoke. Again, need to pause here as I preach and say this. Hopefully you're seeing those past mistakes, those past sins, those past missed opportunities. And that's good, because here, front and center before us, is the cross. The cross. Seeing our sins, we look to Christ, we look to His cross, because that's where God forgives all that is past, all that is wrong. And forgiven, we have strength. Forgiven, we have strength to cry out, Abba, Father, and to pray for Him, pray to Him for the things that are truly important. So we pray, dear Christian, that God would help us to see those wonderful opportunities that it is to work together with Him. We pray that God would open up our eyes to all the opportunities that He gives to us to speak God's words of grace to those around us. We should pray that God gives us many of these opportunities in the home, outside the home, in the communities. We should pray that God would open our eyes to these opportunities and make us bold to take them. And that God would prepare us for these opportunities through our own personal reading and studying of God's Word, studying it in our families, reading it with our families, reading it with others in Bible class, and don't forget the upcoming seminar, speaking your faith, share your faith workshop coming up September 11th. And we should pray that those to whom we speak God's word of grace do not receive it in vain and that as we speak it we would not put obstacles in the ways of the words that we speak. Hearing how, we, how easy it is for us even as God's children to stray from what he asks of us, we're so thankful of God's words of grace that He has taken care of all of our sins, and His work, His grace, is what is most important. We could take comfort that God's words of grace has been spoken to us by others. Men and women, sinners like us, forgiven like us, and used by God 
as God wants to use us to work together with him in sharing his words of grace with others. And we could be encouraged by this, by the past example of those around us in the task that God has now given to each one of us, to work together with him, especially Christian fathers, telling others about his grace, so important for our world, so important for our nation, our communities, our church, for our homes, but especially important for eternity. And so we thank God for his forgiving love in Christ Jesus, and we praise God for giving us this wonderful honor and privilege of working together with him in something he values so dearly. In Jesus' name, amen.